Maybe you should go and do some contemplating. Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hi, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is Rose Buddy. With an exclusive expose on all the dirty little secrets and mysteries and stuff that they probably don't want uncovered. But we're gonna un- we're gonna uncover it and lay out all that dirty, stinky, wet, still wet laundry out on the table. And we're gonna ask you to help us hang it up to dry and fold it, because ugh. What a job. Griffin just did laundry. I did, and it sucks. I do laundry once a month, and it's a it's a fucking reckoning I, every time. Can I ask you something about Please that? Please do. Tell me. Why don't you just do it twice a month? Because then it's double the times I have to do it. Yeah, but it's it's half the time each time. Ugh, that sounds so bad. I'd rather just have one day a month that I know is going to be dog shit <laughs> than two days a month where I know it's just going to be kind of dog shit um we haven't actually said what we're it's a bachelorette is <laughs> we do the bachelorette and the bachelor and we talk about them and we watched this episode last night it's mm-hmm. been uh, uh 24 hours and like 21 minutes okay i don't remember i'm not joking i'm not being like i'm not trying to drag the show i mean i will later but I don't like remember anything that happened. And I think it's because like this has been an unconventionally shitty season in terms of like the problematic shit that's been going on. And yet we still get that fucking pre hometown slump of just yeah. like these dudes. We know who the guys are. Of course we know who the fucking guys are. Yeah. And the, the links to which this episode went to say like it's, anyone's game it's not anyone's game no because i this shows this season's been running for fucking 10 years and there's two men on the show whose names i don't remember still yeah i don't remember one third of the men's names that's bad Mm -hmm. and they gotta go and they're gonna go oh griffin they go i said well i'm not gonna (laughs) i'm not gonna prolong the magic i'm not gonna keep this this ruse going on behalf of the abc the boys go home Mm mm-hmm those two boys, they're just go. Those two Duke boys, they're hopping back in the General Lee, and they're going to jump right back over the creek. To we're not going to see him anymore on the show. Oh, don't say Lee. Thank you. Yes. So, um, I guess let's talk about it. We have notes and we have things to discuss. Okay. So, episode seven. Who is left? Can uh, you name all of them? I mean, Eric, Peter, Brian, um. Uh, Eric Peter, Eric Peter, Brian Dean, and then those two Duke boys. Uh, and their names are. I mean, it's Matt and Adam. Yes, Adam's name I can remember because of Adam Junior. Correct. Matt doesn't have that luxury. No, Matt. I think Matt was the one who wore the penguin suit. Yeah. Okay. And that is the only time he has done anything That's notable. It. And yet the connection, this inseverable bond, <laughs> it's stronger than love. It's whatever this feeling is. It's it's more powerful <laughs> than love. Um, yes, those those gentlemen are still in the house, and we're in the we're in Geneva, correct? And I was like counting the the seconds until it, like some sort of like 
this date's going to break the Geneva Convention. Something, some sort of Geneva Convention. Political humor on The Bachelorette. I mean, it's not really, poli- I, I guess. Um, yeah, but there we had no such. Geneva looks fucking sick, oh, though. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, I had no idea. We got to get up to Switzerland sometime. Oh, man. What do you think? Like next week? (laughs) Yeah, let's get up there. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, I've got Comic-Con. When I get back from Comic-Con, we'll swing up to Switzerland real quick. I think that's what most people do after Comic-Con is they go to Switzerland. And let's just say if we go to Switzerland, I've got a pretty good idea of a nanny we can get to help us out. Oh, Nobody does the thing quite like Maria. Julie Nobody does a thing quite like Maria, who can take a smile and make it smile. <laughs> Do you remember? And... Edelweiss. We almost harmonized there. Oh, I was going to continue. Oh, sorry. Song. You keep doing, nobody does the thing like Maria. Yeah. And when she does the thing, you know she's doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and then she comes in, she's like, spoonfuls of pockets and dogs in a kitten. A dog's in a kitten. <laughs> she's got such a wonderful imagination. I want her to take care of my oh, child. Me too. Spoonfuls of pockets. Are you laughing at your own joke? It wasn't even, it, I wasn't a joke. I was just saying words that I thought were in the song. And what I generated was spoonfuls of pockets. So. So, Geneva. Uh, Rachel shows up in all white and she looks stunning. Yeah, she's got like, I, it's not a, it wasn't a pantsuit. It was just sort of like, I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, pants I mean, were involved and then there was like a long flowy top. It was very, mm-hmm. very slick. Yeah. Uh, and she tells the men it's going to be kind of an unconventional week. There's going to be three one-on-ones and a group date and no rose ceremony. The thing she keeps saying when she's like telling these dudes this, and this, and, and this is the thing I came back to after the episode was over, and the inevitable conclusion is the one that we reached. She kept saying, "I need you all to trust me. Mm-hmm. You just gotta trust me on this one." And it's like, on I trust you to send Matt and Adam ho- home. I Griffin, the viewer, trust you in that. Is that trust for the other four boys? Like, other four boys, trust me. I'm going to send Matt and Adam (laughs) home. I think the big thing when you become the bachelor or bachelorette is to assure everybody that you've been there and you remember what it's like. Right. And she does a little of that saying like, hey, I know this week before hometowns is high pressure, but trust me. You know the thing I keep thinking about? How much of this fact that this episode there's always a sacrificial lamb or two that you're just like why is this fucking person still on the show yeah how much of that is representative of the actual connection that those contestants have with the bachelor and bachelorette how much of it though is the retrospective edit that they get throughout the rest of the episodes by editors who know yeah. they're not going to make it past that I point. I think it's all edit. I think you get some clues of that this episode because the guys start referencing these connections they have that we have never seen. It's so buck wild. Yeah. I know there's not like, I know you guys wasted a lot of fucking time on some a dog shit this season, but like, it's wild to me the conversation she was having, particularly with Matt, where they have this connection that like, We've li- I've I can't remember seeing them speak together. Maybe night one, I remember vaguely her talking to a penguin. That's about as much mm-hmm. as I got. I know, and it's it's wild that you didn't show us like any of that. 
I know. I can't figure it out. All I can assume is that it was so dull that they couldn't find anything to put. What I'm saying is the editors knew they're not going to make it past this episode. And so let's spend our footage developing the final four instead. But I mean, think about like Alex, for example. I mean, Alex was electrifying. Yeah. Like that's fair. There are guys that went home that got better edits than these guys. Anyway, we spent a lot of time on that. I want to get to the dates. Okay. Uh, so after she announces that this is the case, uh, that there will be three one-on-ones and a group date, she awkwardly turns to Brian and says, go get ready because you're the first one-on-one. And when Brian leaves with her, the guys are reeling and there is the literal word curveball. Yeah, I think Adam says, out. what a curveball. Is it? Yeah. I don't. Somebody says like the game's changed. It's super. (laughs) Trust me, I've watched a lot of this game. It's not changed. This is pretty much how it works. This is the game. Um. So this is like one of those luxury dates that we get every season, uh, where yeah, I guess last season it was Corinne taking Nick uh, to like buy a coat or something like that. Yeah. And you remember just recently we watched Trista's season where they did that whole makeover, fancy clothes date. Yeah. This is very similar. Uh, they get in a Bentley, uh, which I only knew after I was able to see the back of the car because mm-hmm. I do not know what Bentleys look like. They look like the Monopoly car piece. Oh, that's a good description. Yeah. Man. Typically, if you see a car and it looks like a Monopoly car piece, that's a Bentley. That is so helpful. Yeah. That's me, car man. <laughs> um, and then... Um, Brian talks about how he is blessed uh, to be in this moment with Rachel. Uh, and then they go to a watch store. And the fancy guy at the watch store. What was his name? Oh, I wrote it down. Please tell me you wrote it down. Nor- Norbit? It was, do- it was not Norbit, babe, I promise. <laughs> Norbert. Yes. Definitely Norbert. Not- picture, uh, everybody picture a shopkeep at a very fancy switch watch store named norbert and that's right you got him (laughs) um so he wears gloves as he handles the watch uh and brian picks out a watch that has a black band and she asks if him uh rachel asks him if he likes it and he says that he likes black and she says do you Little, and they have a good chuckle. <laughs> and Norbert um, blushes. And it's <laughs> Norbert's adorable in that scene. Um, and then Rachel says that she's getting it for him. Uh, which I have to wonder, is it Rachel or is it the show? Yeah, that's a weird... like we're not, that, And that's not to say that Rachel couldn't buy it, but it is to say that, like, that's... Almost always it's the show. Right, yeah. Like, Rachel didn't rent this helicopter. The show did. Well, and when they pick out engagement rings, like, the folks aren't paying for those. Yeah. I don't, anyway, uh, Brian is so excited about they start, this. They start smooching right there. Right there in front of God and Norbert. In. It is... He swoops right in for a makeout. And it is passion. You literally watch Norbert, like, back out of frame. Like, <laughs> am I... Do you not need me anymore? Is that all I am to you? It's just... A pair of beautiful, sensuous, gloved hands. What you didn't see in the background is another couple looking at watches and another Norbert. 
and they were also making out. This happens a lot. This happens a lot. It's a very, listen, watch buying. It's a very, ooh. Ooh. Very, mmm. Passionate. Do you want one with a little window in it that tells you what day (laughs) it is? Mm, I've got a boner. Uh, this one's got <laughs> a little timer that you can use. So if you want to kind of keep track of how long it took you to jog somewhere, but it's not a very good way of tracking time. You'll probably just use your phone. I'm rock hard over here, though. That little window with the day in it. Watches are so dumb. These numbers light up and I am aroused. This one's water resistant up to 30 meters. Uh, So they both get watches. She also gets one for herself. Yeah. And then they leave and they get on a boat and they have champagne. And Rachel tells us that Brian is very sexy, but that with his confidence, it is over the top. Yeah. She loves his confidence. We're still not getting like a lot of, um, a lot of, depth out of brian which is not to say he's not a deep person but just that like every conversation they have um is very it just seems very shallow and there's a lot of like you just make me so happy and like that's about it yeah i claire fallon from the here to make friends podcast tweeted that um she would love to hear brian say something that doesn't turn into a compliment of rachel yeah because that is every single thing out of his mouth but and brian's not like that's not to pick on brian because that's like 90% of the folks on this show, we really aren't. And he's clearly going to make it really, really far. And it's, I don't know. It's, I don't, I, I feel like I want, I want more from, I want to know a little bit more. I guess we get a little bit during dinner. Yeah. So while they're on this date, we go back to the house and Dean and Peter are talking about Brian and Dean talks about his, um, Brian specifically his decades of sweet talk skills. Uh, and how he's hoping that Rachel will see through it. So mm. there, there is some skepticism of Brian in the house. Do we also get a segment of Eric's uh, Eric's balcony based talk That's show? Later. Okay. That's later. I'll get to that. Don't spoil it. I think there is some. I think Eric talks to somebody though out on the balcony. There's just they, they well, have nothing to. This episode is four dates, and they have no framing device for these four dates except to just go back to the house and just interview the dudes like talking to each other about how they think the date is going, and it is the most like. So, thanks for joining me, uh, Adam. Uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts on it's. It's. Mm-hmm. It was really weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then Brian and Rachel have like a little picnic set up. Um, they talk about relationships. Uh, and their various approaches to them, um, kind of bland. Again, to me, I, I didn't note anything particularly remarkable in that conversation. He said something. I can't remember what it was. He said something that was like, okay, I'm starting to learn a little bit more about you. It was him talking about how he tried to get an earring and his mom freaked out. Oh. Yeah. He was like, I, I, yeah, I had to go no, to a. That's, that's later. That's later oh, okay. in the date. Um, so then we cut back to the house. We find out the next one-on-one date card has arrived, and it is going to Dean. And at this point, Adam is pissed. Uh, yeah, Ad- so Adam and Matt have never gone on a one-on-one date. No. And this is this is Brian's second one-on-one date and Dean's second one-on-one Dean's date. Dean's second, yeah. Um, And so Adam's like, Adam's pretty upset, and Adam's like wondering every time that this happens also adam sort of talks a little bit of shade about 
um, the person who does get the date. Uh, it's just like, I fucking get it. At the same time, this sucks, man. Yeah. This is just a slowed car wreck, and you have to know that, like, you're going home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Rachel is not being covert in her preferences by taking these guys out a second time. Yeah. Uh, so we're back on the date with Brian. They go to Victoria Hall, which is this, like, big, beautiful theater. Uh, and they sit at this little two-person table on the stage and drink wine. Um, They're sitting in front of a... um. Uh, like a choir stand with some, like an orchestra, um, like risers sort of up and behind them. And the whole time I'm just waiting for that fucking love actually, <laughs> like love, 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 like popping out from there. And I yeah. was not disappointed. Yeah, that does, a version of that does happen. Uh, so this is where we think maybe we'll find out more about Brian. Cause she's trying to get this stuff out of him yeah. at this point. Like, tell me something. Uh, and so she asks about his family because they're coming up on hometowns. And he says, there was a point around middle school where my mom was worried about me. She thought I might be going the wrong direction. So she put me in an all boys school. And she said, oh, you're a bad kid. And he said, no, I just like, I tried to get an earring once. And and then Rachel says that she went to a private school also. And then he asks her about previous relationships, and that's the end of the Brian segment. Well, not before Brian is like, and what'd you wear in your private school? Oh, yeah, that was it's Like a little schoolgirl outfit, and he was like, yeah, I was just trying to envision you in it. And once he had said that, I was like, first of all, yuck, and also, like, we're done learning about Brian. Because then he was like, so tell me about all your relationships. Yeah. Uh, she says that... Um, that meeting the parents has never been the part she's worried about because she's really good with families. Uh, and then she does try and turn it back to Brian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Brian says that he was in a very passionate relationship previously, uh, very similar to the one he's in now with Rachel, and that it moved really quickly and um, was really heated. And then he invited this woman to a wedding in Colombia, and uh, she met his family. And she did not get along with his mom. Said his, he, she wouldn't meet my mom halfway. Yeah, I was kind of vague about yeah. like about what. And so when they got back, he didn't know anything was upset. He didn't know anything was wrong. And then they, she, yeah, broke it and off. then yeah, she broke up with him because of his mom, uh, which is uh, maybe an interesting teaser for next week. I don't know. I think there's going to be some. I think there's going to be some interesting hometowns. Like. Yes. I definitely think maybe all four of them are actually going to be kind of unique in their in their well, own ways. Peter, Peter kind of set himself up to have a pretty, <clears throat> yeah, I guess maybe warm, regular old fashioned fam. And what's a regular family, Rachel? I would love to hear that. Uh well, if it's like Peter, uh, incredibly attractive. Yeah, looks- gotta be. You gotta have a sexy. Like whole parental Looks unit, just very good in clothes. Like clothes were. I'm made. talking about sharp dressed siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody is just a little salt and pepper. Even even the like even the grandchildren just grandchildren have, a little, have just a little grizzle to little them. salt and pepper hair. Fucking sexy dog, like a, <laughs> a like a powerful like athletic mm-hmm. dog. Mm-hmm. 
maybe uh maybe like a mailman that they give really generous christmas presents every year gotta have and maybe the 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 mailman is also kind of sexy sexy, salt and pepper with a little Mm -hmm. so what we're describing (laughs) is sort of a all peter all the time like a town of all peters stepford wives situation okay Mm -hmm. yeah so i can't wait uh (laughs) So Rachel's sweating right now. <laughs> oh, ladies, gentlemen, am I right? You know. So what happened next? Uh, <laughs> so she gives him the rose. And then this is where we cut up to the balcony where there are string instruments playing. Yeah. And, and so they dutifully stand up and sway together and kiss. It's the fourth most awkward <laughs> forced <laughs> dance of the episode. <laughs> Uh, so now it's time for Dean's one-on-one. This one has the most incredible force to dance I've literally ever oh, seen on this Dean. show. Um, this date was bad for most of it. Yes. Um, it starts off with him rolling up down the, down this street. He, he was sort of expressing his anxiety about hometowns without sort of diving too deep into it to the like behind-the-scenes camera. And then he walks down the street and she says, you know, hey, um, it's Sunday. So that means we're going to church. Yeah, he had been instructed to wear his Sunday best. And so he immediately asks her if he's dressed appropriately. Uh, and she says she's never been to a uh, French Catholic mass before. Yeah. And she's like, you know, we can go. And if we don't like it, we can leave. <laughs> yeah. I dig on like when we go to St. Louis, I always pop my head in that um, the cathedral there in Jackson Square, I think. Uh, like I like a nice big church just like ducking in there you know the one i'm talking about where all the street performers are it's like the big square you said st louis you meant new orleans new orleans i think it's called the st louis st louis yeah i think you're right anyway um i like going into a big church going into one where it's like hey it's a for real religious ceremony happening there in a language you don't speak and also um we have two hours together before I make up a decision on whether or not I want to marry you or not. Well, and we were surprised they even let them film inside the church. Kind of weird. Is not a usual activity that happens. It was a, it was a, um, a weird sort of start to like a, a genuinely weird day. But she explains like, you know, my faith is really important to me, but it's not just like, I don't need you to have the same religious convictions that I have. I do need you to respect mine. Um, but mostly, like, church to me is all about, like, community and service. Um, and so we get, you know, some uncomfortable shots of them sitting in a pew. And then we get them, like, talking to a nice older couple who had yeah, been married been for... together 40 years. I want to keep a running tally because I feel like this has been the season where, like, every episode, especially once they've been traveling abroad, it's like, how long have you been married? And there's a couple that's like 150 years. <laughs> and it's like, okay, put them up on the leaderboards, Mo. <laughs> we got 150 years. <laughs> Uh, and what's weird with those couples is they all met on reality mm-hmm. dating shows. We went 40 years. We met on Next. <laughs> I said, what's up? My name's Janine, and I can fart the alphabet. If I could find you now. It's not a song from 40 years ago. I thought maybe you were going to do uh-huh. that. It was. <laughs> it was um, It was from um, Earth, Wind, and Fire. It was one of their first albums. Um, hello. <laughs> My name is Richard. Yeah. I like to shine shoes. And, uh, my favorite color is gray. 
Skip, skip, skip to Malou. Skip, skip, skip to Malou. He also sings the song because they don't have recordings. No, no. He was actually the composer and uh, original performer of Skip to My Lou. <laughs> I make bank off those residues. <laughs> those Skip to My Lou residues. <laughs> <laughs> you know how Skip to My Lou is in that new Sprint commercial? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. It's a weird setup. Uh, so after they leave the church... This is where they do that awkward dance sequence. Oh, my God. There's a fucking dude playing a calliope on the street. on the cat. And there's a cat sitting on top of it. And there's a calliope. And she, like, grabs his hands, like, let's dance. And I thought, like, Rachel, don't do this to him right now. <laughs> and it's because, like, we get a lot of, like, behind the scenes, like, shots of Dean. Like, this date is rough and i really don't want to talk about hometowns and then rachel's like let's dance to this calliope on this cobblestone street and i'm like yeah. oh man this is just not where dean's head is at right now yeah it's also it's a fucking calliope it's not playing like lmfao's new bangers it's tough to get your 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 dance on to a calliope yeah i wasn't even sure what a calliope was really until i saw this yeah um, so it's, it's just it, something's off and they both know it and you know it and it's real, real tough. This is when we cut back to Eric's talk show. Okay. So Eric is hosting Peter on the balcony uh, and they are both speculating that Dean is out because Dean is 25 and they think that he's a little immature and um, they're pretty positive that Dean will not make it through the state. Yeah. So that kind of sets up doubt for us and this conversation happens for all of the dates yes i know he's not coming back yeah uh he's coming back <laughs> so at this point in the date uh rachel is trying to push dean to get a little more serious oh man this was tough he keeps changing the subject like very obviously um she's like saying like i want i uh, I had I created this date like when I does I thought up this date is to have a chance to actually sit down with you and learn more about you because there's stuff that I just don't know and so like um can you, I I want to know like how you got to be how you are and he says like do you believe in the tooth fairy and it's like it it, it was so uncomfortable because yeah. he's like trying to like joke it off he's like uh, she's like no Dean I I'm not joking now like I want I have to know more about he you if I'm gonna go meet says, your family asks her what her favorite what's your dinosaur? favorite dinosaur yeah. and it's like Dean you are not making yourself not seem like the youngest person in the house right <laughs> no. now uh so we cut back to the final one-on-one -on -one date card at the house and everybody's sitting around date card arrives date card goes to Peter whoa and Eric says if Dean comes back you guys are the top three yeah like, well, obviously. Yeah, naturally. I mean, he says it out loud and we know it, but just being in that situation where you realize, like, oh, those are the guys she likes most. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was rough. We should point out in the commercial for this and the, like, beginning of the episode and then several times throughout the episode, they showed, like, a clip of, and I'm just setting this up so we can talk about it later, Peter saying, oh, God, I'm trying to remember the exact words. She, she's got tears streaming down her face. And right now I know that's my fault. And it shows, like, Rachel crying. And it shows him also saying, like, um, I don't know if I should stay. Yes. So the sequence was, I don't know if I should stay. And then I see tears streaming down her face, and I know that it's my fault. Yeah. 
And so, so the, the whole time you're watching this, like, is something going to happen with Peter? Yeah. But you're also thinking, like, this show's so full of shit. <laughs> I know. It's kind of amazing how it does that. Like, we know you know Peter is a favorite. We're just going to do a little We're bit. We're just going to do a little bit because you're a big, dumb animal. <laughs> you big fucking idiot at home. Yeah, that's right. You. I called you that. I'm the bachelorette, you big, wild, dumb ape. Ha ha ha. Let me check. Deal with that. Let me check on something. Okay, so I think this is a lot of how tabloids function, right? Because on the cover of a tabloid, you see something like, um, is uh, Tom Hanks cheating? (laughs) It's just page one. No. (laughs) Go on. And aren't you like, you think, no, probably not. But aren't you kind of curious? Don't you kind of want to turn and see if Tom Hanks is cheating? No, no, not in this, not in the context of this show and the way that you're putting it. It's just like, that shit doesn't, that shit just just doesn't, doesn't, doesn't even even when we were talking about like Kenny's bloody eye, the whole time I was like, obviously like some fucked up shit's going on, but I really, really don't think Kenny's going to get into like a a physical fight. Um, And, and literally gang, every fucking season whoever the front runner is, they find some way to like splice some shit together. Anyway, we'll talk more about that when we get to like the source material for this fucking girl talk esque remix that they put together. Okay. So eventually Rachel finally says, Hey Dean, something felt off today. And I want to talk about that. Uh, and then Dean says today was weird and he starts laughing and she says, you can't just laugh your way out of this again. Um, and Dean starts starts opening up a little bit, uh, says that it's hard for him to put himself out there. And so she says, well, what do you what do you want? Like, what's it going to take? Uh, and then he says, well, I, I've been listening to the other guys talk about hometowns and the way they think about them is different. Uh, they're all so excited for you to meet their family. And he says his family is not going to be the family you want to see. This was so fucking... Again, like Dean's last conversation about his family and his mom passed away when he was 15. Um, was It was really, really rough. And you can tell like it's been 10 years, but this dude is still like dealing with it, which is like, yeah, that's how that works. Um, and this conversation was additionally tough because you are also confronting the fact that this person's gonna this person and this huge television production crew is about to come to your hometown and meet your family and you need to say something about it at the same time like you can't just like throw your family under the bus and explaining by explaining these dysfunctions that are about to be broadcast and frankly exploited probably by this this television show and so, like, you could tell he was just, this shit was, like, no wonder he was so off this day. Like, that would yeah. be weighing on my mind. Like, how do you how do you preface this without just, like, talking shit about your family? Yeah, and so he does, he does, like, a very delicate way of kind of trying to prepare her. He just says that his dad was not the person he needed after his mom passed, and he wasn't able to kind of summon up... um the like paternal instinct. Yeah. He says that his dad is more eccentric. Is very eccentric. Yeah. And that that's about where he leaves it, but he basically says like my dad didn't step up as the nurturer that my mom yeah. was and in fact like s- s- sort of changed and and became eccentric. I, I, we should he talk said, He said that um that he wished that she could have met his family 
the first 15 years of his life. Um, because that for him was, was, is how he got here. Yeah, exactly. We should mention, so that we got a, Dean gets a rose, so he's going to hometowns. We get like a preview of hometowns and see his dad. And it's certainly like, um, I I really don't want to cast aspersions or make any judgments because like, we don't know what is up and he's a he's apparently a yoga instructor he like runs a yoga studio in colorado and has changed his name um to something that i cannot quite recall um and he's got like big old bushy beard and like i i apparently has had some sort of like spiritual like experience in like a very new age environment yeah and and like i don't i'm genuinely worried because i think this show is gonna like turn try to turn that into like a a laugh riot and to me, like, and maybe it's because, like, I'm, I, I, not that, like, my dad, like, f- you know, changed in any, like, huge, major, necessarily eccentric way after my mom died, but, like, I get how, like, it can be disruptive. Yeah. And so, like, I'm, I'm, I really, I'm kind of uncomfortable with the idea of this show, like, isn't, <laughs> isn't this so wacky when it is potentially, like, a fucking survival mechanism? after going through like this traumatic event, I'm really, really genuinely worried about it. Yeah, exactly. I think, I mean, we have, we have no idea what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, and we have no context for how he, how his dad underwent this transformation. Um, but Griffin and I were talking about how real this must feel for so many of the viewers because not everybody has this great relationship with their family or feels like, you know, what's important to me when I love someone for them to really be close to my family. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's something you don't see very often on this show. The show is always, the contestants are always like, you know, number one family, most important people to me, yeah. you know, like my parents are my best friends. They're my, role models and i think dean is such an outlier yeah in that in that sense of just like we don't necessarily know everything about his relationship with his family right like for all we know like they could be still very loving and very close while dean also recognizes like there's some shit about my family that in the hands of the bachelorette and i know that's a you know, you knew this job was dangerous when you took it fred situation when you signed up to be on this show but like i think dean is probably confronting the fact that like Next episode yeah. is going to be about his his family and yeah. is this sh- is this show going to do right by like do right by them it's well, really it's really really I, I, and unlike I, so you might make the argument that this is similar to what happened with Jordan and Aaron Rodgers um but at the end of that they were still very powerful yeah. wealthy men uh, this, this, Which, may, we don't, we don't know what the, the yoga studio is pulling in. That's true. But at this, at this point, this could have real I know. lasting impact. I'm really worried about it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it, Dean really opens up and like, I really, um, I really appreciate seeing that level of like vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I, I, I don't know. I just like, to me, that feels like so real. And I think it's like really genuinely courageous and like, I think that is a virtue that I genuinely like to see come out of this show. Yeah. Um, I will say when he gets the rose, there's this sweet moment where he uh, gets offered the rose and he says, hmm, let me think about it. And Rachel starts counting down from five. That's really good. Which was nice. Um, hey, babe. Yeah? 
Can I steal you away? I got you totally by surprise that time. Blue Apron's our sponsor if that um, changes anything. A splish, splash, splish, splash, splish, splash, splish, splash, splish, splish, splash, splish. And that was... Like cooking oil. When you're, if you're, babe, when you're cooking, you don't splash that much with cooking oil, do you? That explains all the horrible burns <laughs> on me and you and our kitchen and our cat. And just the fact that our house is covered in just sort of mm-hmm. a dr- constantly dripping grease. I guess I could have made like a sizzle noise. I didn't know what to do for cooking. No, it's a splashing cooking oil of our greasy, greasy sort of <laughs> Junji Ito kitchen situation. So Blue Apron is our um, one this time. And man, I don't know. I made it yesterday. I made fucking uh, yakisoba noodles with uh, tasty little thinly sliced beef and it was really, really banging. It was very delicious. Um, it had like a sort of cucumber radish pickled, quick pickle situation. It was so good. And you know what I think we don't talk about enough? Is, What's that? Is the opportunities the Blue Apron provides you when you are entertaining a potential lover. That is true. That would be a good thing for us to talk about on this uh, love show. Yeah. I think I think it's kind of sexy. You like pull out these little sexy prepackaged pre-portioned together, ingredients. Yeah. Put on like matching aprons. And you can use like a sexy voice and be like for less than 10 bucks per person per meal Blue Apron <laughs> delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. And then they hear that and it's just like Drip City, USA. Oh. From the grease. A splish, splash, splish, splash. <laughs> so, anyway, <laughs> upcoming meals include seared chicken and creamy pasta salad with summer squash and sweet peppers. We had that. Uh, creamy shrimp rolls with uh, quick pickles and sweet potato wedges. Fresh basil fettuccine pasta uh, with sweet corn and Cuban L pepper. A lot of really good stuff. You can check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash rose. Uh, that's blueapron.com slash rose. It's, go fucking do it. This is the best thing. We do it every week and it's, it's amazing. It's this message is for Lauren Pratt and Matt Hemsley. It is from the YLS Rose Buddies, uh, which includes Seguin, Jeslyn, Melissa, and Steph. What do they say? Mr. and Mrs. Hemsrat, we had a blast at the most dramatic wedding in group text history. Your love is more exemplary than Jade and Tanner's, more predestined than Jojo and Jordan's, more goofy than Carly and Evans, and more international than Nick and Vanessa's. You are Jasmine and Mikkel, but with a happy ending. (laughs) Best wishes for the next phase of your journey. I mean, that was sweet and shady, but it's so sweet. That's a lot of superlatives. And a lot of bachelor knowledge. A lot of bachelor knowledge. Some, a deep well there. Uh, here is another Jumbotron message. This one's for Casey, and it's from Marco, who says, Hey, Casey, by the time Griffin and Rachel read this to your ears, we'll be married. So thank you for that. I love you more than Chris Harrison loves beach clothes. That's all I have to say. But I paid for 350 characters, so damn it, I'm going to use them. Griffin, not that you're famous, can you check on Gary Gary Busey for me? Griffin, not that you're famous, can you check on Gary Busey Is for me? Is supposed to be now that you're famous? <laughs> it would make more sense that way, but I yeah. like this read better. Not that you're famous or anything, but can you check on Gary Busey for me? Uh, I'm worried about him. Thank you. Um, I don't know how to get, I mean, I could call Joel. Joel might be able to get in touch with Gary Busey to some regard, but I just spilled my water. Rachel just spilled her water all over. Where'd you spill it, babe? 
It's all right there, babe. This is a real catastrophe. Rachel's going to go get a towel. The show is canceled. Goodbye. Hello, Amita Patel. Hello, Sean David Johnson. What's going on? I think a friend of mine may have chronic pop culture deficiency syndrome. Oh, no. PCDS? What are the symptoms? Well, she doesn't know Wakanda from Westeros. Shameful. And she keeps confusing Aziz Ansari and Riz Ahmed. Oh, my gosh. So sad. Kind of racist, too. But what did you tell her to do? I told her to listen to our podcast, Inside Pop, of course. Fantastic idea. A weekly dose of Inside Pop will help anyone discover the best in TV, film, and music. Suffer from PCDS no more. Inside Pop has you covered every Wednesday on Max Fun. You ready to go back? Uh, I guess so. Peter's one-on-one date. Oh, now I'm ready. There's a helicopter. Yeah, it is. They are going to take a tour of the Swiss Alps. Oh, fuck. That's right. Boy, this date was probably sounded cool on paper and then less cool when they both died up there like the fucking Donner Party. Yeah, I imagine when contestants are asked to bring winter wear, they don't plan for sub-zero temperatures. That doesn't include oxygen tanks. Literally, Peter's hair froze into the side of his fucking head. (laughs) Not a joke, like frost up in the dude's hair. Unless it was like a real, like a salt and pepper streak we haven't quite seen. But fucking shit. Both of them like sitting next to each other, just trying not to die. It seemed rough stuff. So uh, after their helicopter tour, they land on Glacier 3000. Griffin made a great joke. I made a great joke. I said, I wish Big Boy and Glacier 3000 would get together for a new album. It's pretty good. I don't know why I sounded disappointed in myself just then. It was good. It was very I think good. I just made myself sad thinking about how much I love Outcast. And... I know. Um, yeah. It, and they go dog sledding? Yeah. So they get on a dog sled uh, and it takes them to another snowy location where they sit in the snow and have a conversation. And it they looks are so bad. Both miserable. Um, this is where we get. Um, Peter talking about like, she's asking him like, how's it been? Uh, and he says, you know, it's been, it's been difficult. It's we had the first, that's what it was. She framed it. Like we had the first one on one day and you get the last one on one day. Um, and he talks about like, yeah, it was really tough. Like watching you go on dates with other folks and wondering like if our connection was still like good enough and why you weren't taking me on one on one dates. Uh, and there were times where I was like wondering like, you know, uh, I was thinking, should I leave the house? Uh, but if, but I ultimately, I'm glad I stuck around because we have, and the, from that like conversation, that's where they get the first piece of the jigsaw puzzle yeah. for the, the commercial. But she's like, you know, accepts it and says, well, I, I'm glad you stayed. And yeah, she said, I've had days like that. Yeah. I'm glad you, you know? stayed. And so like, yeah. let's keep, you know, huddling for warmth. <laughs> they cut they fucking cut open the dude who was running the dog sleds and they slept inside of him like a tauntaun it was great <laughs> at a certain point um they lay on top of each other uh and smooch and it does not necessarily seem romantic as much as necessary yeah it is very cold yeah uh this is when we cut back to uh the eric show and this time he is hosting matt on the balcony Uh, In front of a live studio audience (laughs) at Universal Studios, Orlando, Florida. And they speculate on the reasons that Peter could go home. Which is like, come on, on. (laughs) y'all. I can imagine when the producer was like, all right, can you two now talk about whether or not Peter's going to leave? And I'm sure Eric was like, Peter's not going to fucking leave. (laughs) Right. 
what are you talking about? The thing he said is like, the thing I keep thinking about is, what if Peter sends himself home? It's like, why the <laughs> fuck would he do that? It's like the only scenario they could come up with. Yeah. What if Peter accidentally vomits on the date and then he takes the vomit and he rubs it on Rachel. Then maybe she would send it Not accidentally, purposefully. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but no, that doesn't happen. They go to a nice... Was it a yurt? Was it a squirt yurt? No. All right. Uh, They're in like another fancy like... I mean, it's not a restaurant, but it looks like a ballroom kind yeah. of spot. Oh, that's right. Uh, and they're very dressed up. Uh, Peter, man, Peter wears a suit. I'll tell you what. All right. <laughs> um, I mean, he does. It's just like, it looks like the clothes were made for him, you know? Here's what I keep coming back to for Peter. I guess that's a thing people do. <laughs> Peter is, um, Peter is like, uh, celebrity attractive i guess he's not just like uh this shows sort of typical like attractive dude just like like, i feel like brian and dean are like typical show dude attractive yeah yeah like yeah brian brian and, and dean are good examples of that um and peter peter is like uniquely attractive in a way that like if it turned out that he was actually like uh like movie star dude that we just like didn't know about. It would kind of make sense. Yeah, or like a cologne guy. You yeah, know, in the cologne ads. I feel like when you think when you think of like a like a dude movie star, they're like attractive, but they're attractive in kind of like a weird like a way. James Bond kind of thing, maybe. Right? Maybe, yeah. I think Daniel Craig is like that, right? right? Like Daniel Craig doesn't look like the other attractive dudes on this show. He's like kind of like unique. Mm-hmm. What's his What's his story? I want to watch him jump through a window or something. Yeah, exactly. Shoot a bunch of guys. Exactly. I'd love to watch Peter jump through a big plate glass <laughs> window and shoot a bunch of guys. I hope that's the finale of this season. How about it, Hollywood? Gets in that Bentley, steals it, and just like drives off backwards, shooting a gun out the front window. Fuck yeah. I just got so psyched. Uh, so this is where Peter talks a little bit about his family. He talks about his parents, Gary and Lynn, and says that he's sure that she's going to love them uh, and his friends and his whole family. Um, and she says, well, hey, like, have you ever dated a black woman before? And he says that he never has, but that his family supports him no matter what. And he's not worried about it. They kind of rush through this conversation, it feels like. And she says, like, oh, OK, I'm glad we talked. About it. I'm glad we got that out of the way. Yeah. Um this is where they talk a little bit about um, his previous relationships. And he says that he hasn't brought a woman home in a while. Uh, and that in his last relationship, his ex actually never met his parents because they drifted apart. Uh, and he has this very specific memory of their breakup that kind of haunts him. And he talks about driving away with his stuff and looking in his rearview mirror and and seeing her waving and just tears streaming down her face uh, and him feeling like he abandoned her and he hurt her. Um, and this is where they get the other half of that teaser. That yeah, I can see together. tears streaming down her face and I just knew that it was my fault. Yeah. He Fucking was talking show. about his ex. Um, anything else happen? Um... But he does put a little doubt in her mind because he says 
that um that he thinks he's ready to open up and that if he does decide to propose it will be because he's a hundred percent sure and that if he has any reservations leading up to that moment he'll let her know. Is he the one who said I'm like on the path yeah. to being in love? Yeah, he says I'm definitely along that path. <clears throat> All right. That's fine. Like, yeah, again, that's real, right? Like, y'all haven't known each other that long. Yeah. But at the same time, there is like a, that, that's sort of a, a double-edged sword of just like, I get not saying I love you after hanging out with somebody for six hours over the course of a month and a half. At the same time, it's a hometown, so you need to start pulling that one out, I think, at some point, yeah? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it hasn't come out that much this season. It hasn't. Has anyone actually said it yet? I think people have said they're falling in love with her. Yeah. Oh, God, what a dumb fucking Nobody has said, I am in love with you. I, yeah. I do love you. Um, uh, group date. I want to get to that group date, yeah. So the date card arrives, obviously, for Eric, Matt, and Adam. And the card says, tomorrow will be difficult. I don't know what else to say. Trust me, though. <laughs> Gotta have that trust. Like, gotta trust. It's gonna be a fucking nightmare. Do you think that they like sat down and tried to come up with puns? And she was like, "No, <laughs> I don't want to do that. It's gonna, it's gonna suck. No, Let's it's gonna be, be really bad." Yeah. Rachel seemed like pretty miserable this whole day, and I get. I mean, I super, super get that. Um, Griffin and I did start to get a little nervous, or at least I did, because. We obviously know Eric has gotten the one-on-one. They had a really great one-on-one. A fucking great one-on-one. But I don't, I mean, I don't know. She's, the, the, she's been kind of hot and cold with Eric. The dudes back in the house during their sort of talk show segment about this, about about the group date, uh, I forget who made this point. I think it was maybe Peter said, um, Eric has to be nervous because he's the only one who did get a one-on-one who didn't get the didn't get the second one and ended up on this like three person showdown. And so he's got to be thinking like what happened during our one on one that put me here. While the other two dudes are like why didn't I get a one on one? He actually has to confront the fact that like we did have a one on one and I didn't make the cut automatically. So what happened during my one I I thought yeah. that was like interesting but Eric was like really fucking cool this day. Yeah. He even said like ahead of time like you know, I'm just going to put put on the put on the gloves and get to work. Like It's kind of crazy because if you remember from the first few episodes. I know, he was really insecure. Eric was so uncertain that he was actually making all the other guys crazy because he was constantly analyzing whether or not she was interested in him. Yeah. And this time he just really, like he steps up. He really, uh, all to their credit, all three of the dudes were very yeah. much like, listen, it's, this is your tough call to make. We're going to like just hang out and... Um, it's such a, this, this is honestly what before that Kelsey Ashley, I two on one where all of a sudden every two on one had to be a fucking battle, like bloodbath to the death. Uh, this is what two on ones were, which was a really uncomfortable dinner typically and some conversations and like long, uh, awkward pauses and, the bachelor or bachelorette sort of struggling with the really, really difficult position that they're in. Not this like, Oh, I can't believe, you know, you said this to her. And then I said, this is more along the lines of like what these usually are. Yeah. So they, they all get on a boat and they take it to this kind of old manor and they sit out in front of it. And it is also very cold. Um, 
And um, Rachel kind of outlines the things that she likes about these three guys. Uh, and I took notes specifically on um, Adam and Matt because I didn't know anything about them. And I was like, I wonder what she's going to say that she likes about them. <laughs> so she says that Adam takes advantage of every second. Uh, and she appreciates that about him. Uh, and that she has a soft spot for Matt. <laughs> that's, that's, that's it. about it. That's it. Um, so Adam gives this toast before the dates start. And he says, you know, I saw difficult on that date card and I don't like that word, you know, cause I think the things should be challenging, but not difficult. And so we're going to do our best here to make this decision as easy as it can be for you. I just thought like, what? Difficult versus challenge. Yeah, I don't know. It's I kinda, don't know. I get the intent of just like, we're not going to, you know, cause a stink. Yeah. You're going to make this decision. It'll be tough and we'll support you. The thing that I notice is that there is one rose sitting on the table and that rose is right next to the cheese. And I thought. So Rachel has this thing she wants more than anything in the world. And that is for during one of these dates, one of the men to reach down and accidentally eat the rose. <laughs> I had this fantasy where uh in it's reaching, a good fantasy in reaching for the cheese perhaps adam accidentally eats the rose yeah and it's oh no well let's get another rose and put it out and then uh-oh adam accidentally uh, does it, it again he did it a second and he time does it like 15 times yeah and after the second Wouldn't one that'd be fun yeah, it would be really fun and after the second one you know the producers have to be getting frustrated like <laughs> are you doing this on purpose now do you like is this like a trying to make the show thing or like, do you like the taste of it or I want it very bad now that you mention you know. it? Yeah. I think about it. Um, oh, or, or just like Matt to like pick it up and just sprint off into the woods. Yeah. Never to be seen again, but they never find him and they have to hunt him down because it's legally binding. He's still in the running <laughs> as long as he has that. His, um, Nobody ever goes rogue on these shows. I think Eric gets pulled away first. Uh, yes. So this is when Eric really steps up and he just talks about how, um, when he's with her, it's kind of this amazing thing because he's always happy. Uh, and something in him changes when he's around her because she just makes him happy. Um, and, and she comments too on like, well, that didn't used to be you. Yeah. Like you used to be a bundle of nerves pretty much all the time in the house. And this reminded me of Griffin. Oh, did it? Yeah, because when I brought you home to meet my family, they were talking about how happy you were all the time. And I was like, that's just Griffin. Yeah. Um, but you were like. Not like that before? That was the impression you gave me. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I think Eric, I don't know, Eric is improved by Rachel and he wants her to know that. Um, and he says, you know, this moment is for you. Like you've worked really hard. You deserve this. Like I, I want you to appreciate this moment. Um, which is really nice. Yeah. And she doesn't really know how to like accept that this like yeah. idea of like you deserve a good, you deserve like a good easy thing right now. Um, and I, I don't know. I thought that conversation was really sweet. It was really sweet. Uh, the next one she pulls away is Matt. Matt yes. And this conversation is not quite as sweet. Yes. Um, he this, talks, this was the utterly mystifying conversation that I referenced at the beginning of the episode. Uh, yeah, he talks about how he wants Rachel to be happy. 
uh, and how he has waited patiently uh, throughout this process, which she acknowledges. Um, and then Rachel starts to get emotional and says, you know what, of all the guys, you remind me most of myself. Um, and that if, the, if we weren't in this circumstance, yeah. if we had the time to really get together and connect, I think it could have been something great, but I, there are other relationships that are further along. And so yeah, I want, she can't do home. home. Yeah. She can't go to his hometown that it, and sends him home. Matt seems nice, right? He seems like a nice dude. This is literally the longest we've ever seen him on camera. And so like, I'm basing that off of and a Rachel minute and is a just like sobbing. She is fucking devastated. She is so, so sad. And that combined with like, you're the person who reminds me most of me in this house. And I wish we had had different circumstances to meet is like, what the fuck weren't they showing us? Yeah, that was crazy. I, I, I don't know. I guess they just had a lot of sweet conversations. Yeah. It doesn't seem like there was much passion there ever. I don't know. Again, I don't like know. I, I, I it, it's getting to the point, babe, where like, do you want to come up? With a story. Yes. For I, Matt I, and Rachel. I, I, I want to say, like, it's getting to the point where this show is so fucking chopped and screwed that, like, I feel weird talking about anything that happens on it or talking about any sort of omissions or talking about any sort of judgment of any of the contestants based on what we see and what we don't see. Because, like, I can't, I can't stop thinking about, like, the mats and Adams of yeah. every fucking season. No kidding. And like how much like raw tonnage of footage they <laughs> shoot of this show that we never get to see and how many other shows they could have made out of that footage and all of the other storylines and all of the other, I feel like we are looking at the fucking sun with a piece of paper with the pinhole pricked in it. Exactly. And like, it's it I feel kind of like foolish in a way. Like I feel like I am letting the show get one over on me by talking about anything that happened. I, I don't know how to deal with that. Like I feel like anything this show shows me is all I know and so it's what I talk about. But at the same time, like now I see like this fucking glacier under the water of all of this other real actual stuff that is informing the stuff that we see, this little little piece mm-hmm. of it. And I feel like a fucking dummy because I'm like buying into the, it makes every episode and every piece of footage feel like a sales pitch for this message that they're trying to get across in a way that might be like too like tinfoil hat to like talk well, about, but it, mean, it just really, I, I can't not see it anymore. Think about it though. Like it's supposed to be a fairy tale. And what do you want to know in the fairy tale? You want to know the story of the couple that makes it. You don't want to know necessarily the story of all the guys that she sends home. Like you have to zero in to a certain extent. Even if the even if this was a show about Peter who is of course going to win and Rachel's love story and we only see their shit, there's still a lot of Peter footage that ends up on the cutting room floor. I think this is why the uh credit sequence like goof 'em ups are so striking to me because it shows you this parallel universe of non non narrative human beings interacting in this fairy tale space that is so like bizarre when put up against this like this this rendition that the show very 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 carefully curates i i like i don't know man so let's i mean let's let's give matt a story 
Okay. Um, so if Matt is the most like Rachel. Yeah. He has a dog named Silver. That's very good. And Silver's back leg is hurt. Yes. Um, um, he, uh, maybe not necessarily a lawyer. That might be too literal. He's a detective. A detective? Yeah. In the city, the big city. In Phoenix, uh, Arizona. In in Phoenix. Um, he was on the, <laughs> he was on the bachelor. He was on the bachelorette. Wait, no, how did, no, that doesn't make sense. No. <laughs> he was on Big Brother. <laughs> So he has um, some TV experience, is what I'm saying. He also has an anecdote about uh, blimps. Yeah, except say. for him, he calls them dirigibles. <laughs> but he, he pronounces it wrong, so he says dirigibles. Yeah. And he goes, dirigible, dirigible. Yeah, it's really cute. It's really cute. I'd really love to finish talking about this episode. <laughs> I just wanted to give Matt his moment. Well, there he goes. Uh, He's so- a Phoenix-based detective who can't pronounce the word dirigible. <laughs> I love him now, too. Matt goes home. And so now we're at the night portion. It is just Eric and Adam. I just remembered what happens at this part and I got so excited. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so they sit down at a dinner table uh, and they toast. And I think Eric and Adam both have what look to, like to be like whiskey cocktails. Yeah, they're, it's almost exactly actually what I'm holding right here. It's, it is sort of like a, like a round sort of highball glass with like some sort of amber and i think rachel has champagne yeah and she like makes this toast and is talking about how like you know uh i don't want what happened earlier obviously with matt was very sad but i don't want it to impact the night that we're gonna have so let's just like have some nice conversations and get to know each other and just have a nice night and she raises her glass um can, can i do adam and you just like walk me into it yeah sure uh so thank you guys. Uh, let's have a nice dinner and cheers. Champagne. <laughs> it was so weird. <laughs> it was such a weird moment. I just want to say, like, uh, obviously it's going to be a difficult <laughs> night, but I, I think we can, you know, make something out of it, and let's just, uh, you know, let's have a great time. Champagne. Why did you say champagne, dude? It made me wonder if part of um, Adam's story involves champagne, like a joke, like an inside joke. Yeah, like maybe it's like a, his favorite word. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it was fucking hysterical. We rewound it a few times uh, because why would you say champagne? Yeah. Why would you just say champagne? Why would you say champagne and raise a glass of a fluid that wasn't champagne? There's so many pieces to this that are fucking amazing. Like if you were toasting anybody you would have to say the beverage they were holding mm. as part of the toast yeah so like dos equis yeah dos equis man champagne champagne water uh, on the floor that you spilled earlier <laughs> uh adam I, and rachel uh have their time together and adam asks a very telling oh question almost right off the top uh adam says do you see yourself potentially falling in love with me and she says, like, yep, that's why you're here. Yeah. Like, pretty much in that tone of voice, like, almost a little annoyed. Um, and and she says, to be honest, last time we talked, you said that part of you was falling in love with me. And that kind of put me off a little bit. What did you mean, part of you? And he said, well, I've clammed up in the past, and I'm kind of skeptical. Uh, so there's part of me that's a little 
reserved, um, but I'm optimistic uh, just in general. And she says, well, she's more of a, a realist. Uh, and then he says, you know, after the mud wrestling date, you know, we went out on the lawn and I spun you around in the trees and we were kissing, looking at the clouds. Meanwhile, Griffin and I are like, what, 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 what? what? <laughs> um, he's like, that's when I, that's when I knew that I have feelings for you. And, you know, Mama G and Papa G, which I guess are his parents, um, are going to be so excited to meet you. Uh, and I just, you know, wh- whatever you decide, you know, I just don't want you to leave thinking, what if? Um, and they kiss. That's kind of a presumptuous thing to say, right? Yeah. All right. Well, he's so sure of their connection, you know, and he thinks like clearly they're they're in a really good place. Yeah. What does he say earlier in the episode? Like, I mean, I'm not worried because I know that me and Rachel have the strongest connection in the house. And I heard that like, yeah, you you haven't gone on a one on one date. We cut back to the house and Peter is talking about how he thinks Adam is the favorite. I guess. All right. Guys. Like, what is happening? Uh, so then. Um, Eric gets more time with Rachel at this point. And this is when he says that he has never brought a woman home before that he's been seeing. Yeah. So he's 29 and, and she kind of comments on like, that's, you know, wild that you're a 29 year old that, you know, hasn't brought someone home. And then the conversation kind of pivots, um, to him sort of talking about his, uh, upbringing and living in Baltimore growing up. So Eric talks a little bit about Baltimore and specifically, kind of his upbringing and says that a lot of the men in his family, including his dad, uh, were involved in crime and he saw a lot of abuse and drugs and, you know, just in his day to day life and that his mom and dad weren't together and he's never seen them together. Uh, and through all that, he used his own positivity to kind of cover up the pain of that experience. It was a real, like, I, it's kind of wild that like we're just now learning this about eric actually i don't remember what his i don't remember if he got an intro package or if like this was had anything to do with it um but it really like stood out to me again as like a very real conversation about like real factors that sort of influenced his family life growing up that if you go to hometowns with me are is going to be like stuff that we talk about um and you pulled down there weren't a lot of articles written about um bachelorette this week but there was uh, a new york times article by joe coscarelli and karen gans a rare conversation about class brings the bachelorette into the real world uh it's a very challenging city he told rachel adding that it was easy to sell a drug or commit a crime or just do anything of that nature because it was just normal he revealed all the people in my family were in the streets dealing drugs committing crime he spoke about an uncle in prison having friends in housing projects who didn't have clothes for school watching family members get high witnessing abusive relationships and friends killed in the streets the things he didn't see he said were his mom and dad together or a healthy relationship on which to model his own uh, it was a rare moment when actual reality crept into this reality show, and it was an interesting counterpoint to a class-centric scene during uh, Rachel's earlier date with Brian, where she took him to a Breitling uh, store in Switzerland and announced that she was buying him an expensive watch. Uh, Eric's brief detour into the pain and complication of the real world, one of the most engrossing conversations between Rachel and a suitor all season, lasted only about a minute. That tells you a lot about this show. The fact that it was never made explicit or even really alluded to that Eric was the final remaining black contestant on the first season of The Bachelor or The Bachelorette to feature a black lead might tell you even more. I I, I think what this was is like a, almost a discussion. And again, like, what the fuck didn't we see and what parts of this conversation didn't we hear? Just like a conversation about like, 
a person who came up from a different like class than like pretty much I would estimate like ninety eight percent of the contestants on Bachelor including and Bachelorette, Rachel. yeah, including Rachel, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, and I don't know, I, 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 it's one of those weird things where like I was kind of surprised to hear this conversation take place on this season and this show like at all. And also like kind of disappointed that we didn't like kind of know this stuff ahead of time and that they, the show uh, again sort of had an opportunity to talk about something very, very real that it just kind of let the ball go right over the plate. Yeah. And that, I mean, that may still come. Yeah, sure. There's because still time. It may come up during home because because Eric gets the rose. Yeah, and Adam goes home. And um, yeah, she had a really hard time sending Adam home. She says Adam takes advantage of every second, and maybe if I had more time with him, we would get even closer. Um, and she said that it was hard to make the decision, but she had to go with her gut. Uh, and so she walks Adam out, and Adam. Adam oddly is is sure that if she had met her or his family, it would have gone different. My family fucking rules. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta meet them. They're my biggest hype folks. Um, and, 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 and that's we, it. We and the then we get the teaser. Teaser for, for next tests. time. Yeah. And in that in that trailer, we uh, that's again like we mentioned. That's where we see Dean's dad and um, most of the families, and then the. Uh, shot we keep getting of Rachel out in front of this huge church. Um, it's weird. We see a scene of Brian eating this big dinner with all of her family members. So it's like, I guess Brian's in the final two. Cause like, that's when that happens. Um, well, we see, at least I remember we see Brian talking to her sister. No, Brian's like at a, the dinner table with like all oh, of them. Really? Yeah. It's oh, like, okay. Well, okay. <laughs> so like Brian's final two. And if Peter wins, then that's two. And then you think Dean goes home next, and then yeah. Eric's in third. Like uh, I think, yeah, I think Dean falls victim to what happens a lot, where people have a difficult hometown, and it's easy to potentially blame their family, but it's more like that moment brings out so fucking worried about that. other concerns the relationship has. I'm worried about hometowns. I'm worried about Dean's family. I'm worried about like. I'm worried about all of it, man. Yeah. it. Yeah, it's hard to predict whether or not that will be handled with any sensitivity. Yeah. Um. I mean, Eric, too, right? Like, his parents aren't together. We don't know, like, what yeah, his family life is like in, in Baltimore now. Eric seems to have a good relationship with his mom. That's true, yeah. Based on things he said. I always get weirded out by hometowns. Just on paper, it's a fucking weird... Because you, you are making people complicit in this completely buck wild thing that like yeah. i don't know that they're as on board with it as everybody else is on this i usually really like them um because it's like the only part of the show that feels kind of unscripted to me um and it's a lot of unscripted moments um in kind of a weirdly contrived situation i don't know i i always find them fascinating but yeah, yeah they can they can be real minefields so that's the next episode it's coming up next week and then probably what um intel all after that or final three probably final three then mental all yeah yeah okay um so we'll make sure to cover those and uh thanks for listening 
Thanks yeah. for the, all the nice feedback to the episode we did last week when we didn't have yeah. anything to talk about. We had a really fun time recording that. And so it was nice to hear people liked it. Yeah. Um, and thanks to Maximum Fun for having us. You can go to MaximumFun.org and check out all the great shows there and go listen to them and go to McElroyShows.com and check out all the other podcasts and videos and stuff that we do. We got a P.O. Box. We haven't talked about that in a while. It's P.O. Box 66639, Austin, Texas, 78766. Uh, anything else? That's it. That's it. Uh, until next time, I'm Griffin McElroy. I'm Rachel McElroy. When you're ready. Final rose. Stay with us on this journey of joy. Spoiler alert. She ends up with Soldier Boy. Right pieces. Right pieces. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. How many times has this happened to you? Oh man, if only I knew whether it was better to be too hot or too cold, or who the best James Bond was, that girl would have gone out with me. Now you can with We Got This With Mark and Hal, the podcast from MaximumFun.org every Tuesday. Hey, Lois, it's Joey. The best James Bond was Daniel Craig, and it's better to be too cold than too hot. Thanks, We Got This With Mark and Hal. Only on MaximumFun.org, or wherever you get fine podcasts.